0: This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. (laughs) The High Regard Show. It's Dr. Dolph
1: Lundgren. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. You know, I'm a dreamer, but my a gold. I had to run away high, so I would come home.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Tom, and
1: I'm Nikki, and
0: this is the High Regard Show,
1: in which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up
0: on the third floor.
1: Moving on up.
0: Oh, it don't get better than that.
1: No sir, it doesn't. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the High Regard Show. This is Nikki, and I'm kind of taking the helm this week. Um, but don't worry, you're not just stuck with me. We have two very special guests. So let's get the show on the road with a you Heard. Yeah, uh-huh. Heard! seen a train here in six months. Should have taken a picture of the unicorn when I did. That was something I overheard while Tyler and I were on our way to the airport from the Mayo Clinic when we went out with uh, Tom last week. So that was on the Rochester shuttle to St. Paul. <music> So, like I said, we have two very special guests this week. But before we get into all that, let's see if I can dial the phone without Tom. And I can't. <laughs> Hello. Hello from New York City. Thank
0: you for finding Waldo in the Midwest.
1: (laughs) You sound so far away, it's like you're in a whole other world.
0: I, seriously, if I look out the window, I
1: believe that I am in another world right now. (laughs) Have you turned into a cheese curd yet? Because I sure did before I left.
0: Oh my God, man. Still, seriously, it's like almost... With every meal comes a <laughs> side of cheese curd.
1: Even if you have cheese curds, they come with a side of cheese curds.
0: Pretty much. It's like it's like you back home with parsley. Like, you know when you go to a restaurant and everybody puts
1: parsley on a plate? No, I don't know that. Nobody does that anymore. They don't do that no more? I don't think so, to be honest with you. No
0: way to totally fuck up my joke.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> what I do. I ruin the jokes of your life. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, welcome to the show. My first show, Taking the Helm. I'm very nervous, and I kind of, like, screwed up your herd, but I don't care.
0: Oh, well, you don't have to really worry until the editing comes before. <laughs> my well, suggestion is just play it where it live.
1: Exactly. At this point, two different... We're, we're, bi- we're in a bicoastal relationship and show relationship. <laughs>
0: Oh, by coastal Look we're so experimental.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not I, even
0: on the coast. I wish to God I was on a I coast.
1: know. You're about as far from a coast as you could possibly be up there in Minnesota. But Maybe before we discuss place. Minnesota, yes. we should probably get into this week's interview, huh?
0: Which I did get to hear because you sent it to me earlier.
1: Through the magic and, uh, of the interwebs. Man, it is absolutely
0: amazing. The
1: things that you could do. People could record entire albums without even setting foot in the same studio.
0: I know. It's insane.
1: It is insane, Tom. The world we live in today, isn't it?
0: I know. So why don't you tell us about our guest a little bit? Because even I would like to know more. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm really, really excited to share this week's interview. It's with a musician named Edward Rogers, and he is a New York City-based musician who was born in Birmingham, England, and he came over here when he was like 11 or 12 years old, so he's been over here for a number of years, and he's by far way more New York than I am, so he's, he's a true New Yorker at this point, but he came over and he just released his seventh studio album. And it's called TV Generation. I have not stopped listening to it since it was sent to me. It was just released out um, in June. He just had um, a release show at the Cutting Room in New York City. The album is so fantastic. And, you know, he sounds very much like, you know, my beloved musical muse Nick Cave you know who you know that I absolutely is just he's magic for me and then he also sounds like you know there's tinges of like Lou Reed and you know Ray Davies and it's just so good and it's very like Brit pop you know like the British invasion and stuff and like he's just and he was just so magical to talk to like I kind of just want to just become friends with him
0: I feel like after listening to the interview that it sounds like you did become friends with I know,
1: I know. We were talking about, like, the show that, like, you know, we became obsessed with that we've been watching on the, like, we... Because here's what's happens when Tom and I are apart for as long as we've been these last, you know, this last week or so, we do the long distance thing on the phone and we've been watching TV together because that's kind of like our special little thing that we do at night. You know, we love our stories and one of our stories happens to be Ozark on Netflix and Edward Rogers and I happen to talk about that during our interview.
0: Well, why don't we roll that fabulous bean footage
1: oh I, I wanted to be the one to say it but okay hold on no let's redo it. it again no oh it. well that's
0: interesting that you talked about ozark <laughs> um when can we hear this interview
1: how about i roll the fabulous bean footage there you go <laughs> thank you Hi, Edward. Yes. Hi, it's Nikki with The High Regard Show. How are you? Hi, Nikki. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Well,
2: it's mutual. Thank you so much for having me.
1: <laughs> of course. So, obviously, I would love to start off by talking about TV Generation, your new album that came out last month. Um, being that it's your seventh album, did you approach it differently than you did your previous outings?
2: Wow, it's interesting. You know, I never really set out... In any given direction i mean um, i write the songs i put the band together we do some rehearsals um and then we go in i would tell you that the the only different uh approach we did was not to do too much rehearsing we went in and let the musicians do their thing and then uh after i got the the mixes back then i did my vocals which Normally, I try to do albums where the vocals are live. So, right.
1: You know,
2: it was approached in different ways, but um, you know, it's always experimental, and we always try to he- head in a different direction. And uh, I-, I-, I work with a number of people who are really good at what they do, and-, and we understand one another, and they're all mates of mine. So it helps in the process of trying to um, create and-, and give a different texture to each album that we do, and uh, I love doing uh, that type of work
1: awesome well it really shows i mean the album is fantastic we've been listening to it all day and it's just it's so good you know is there a song that resonates the most with you from the album
2: well you know uh, yes there is the, the third track on the album is a song called no words and um it was written on january 10th of last year when the lyrics were written, when I woke up to find out that David Bowie had passed away,
1: oh wow, and it really
2: shattered <laughs> me and um so i I immediately just went into the other room and, and wrote these lyrics and thought this, this is great and there was a uh, poetry reading in a in a club uh, in the west in the East Village that night, and I went down there, read the poem, and um the next day put words to it and um I was lucky enough to get um, a, a classical uh, um, cello player by the name of James Scappantoni to uh, help me write the string arrangement to it. And that particular track, though it's not the most popular one that's on the album, just stands out to me because it was my way of, of, of releasing a lot of, I guess, bent up sadness, really. Right.
1: Right, and that you know that is actually my favorite album on my favorite song on the album. So I, I that's awesome that you you know say that that's the one that resonates most with you as well. Yeah, so.
2: just uh, there's just something magical about it, and there's something real about it um, that you can't really, you know sometimes you you can write songs and it can be I, I find love songs to be very difficult to write because. Um, you know i'm a much more observational type of writer but mm-hmm. you know i sit down and write love songs but that was kind of a love song to somebody that meant so much to me during right. my life so right uh, it kind of came out and i think the emotions and and uh the the young lady that that uh, did the the string arrangements on it uh really put the same labor of love into the song.
1: Yeah, it definitely did. She definitely did. It's beautiful. And you know, that kind of segues into my next question with, you know, you've released seven albums in just about ten years, which is astounding, especially considering that other musicians take ten years to release one album. You know, what is is your writing process? Is that something that you do every day?
2: You know what? Um, I try to put every Monday aside and a part of almost every other day to to write yeah Mm -hmm. it's 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 um you know i i am very um set in in writing skills i could sit there on my mondays and (laughs) and start working at 11 o'clock till six which is my normal work day for that day and you know i will just keep on going and if the words don't make it i will just keep writing it right and um then there's other days when you know i'll turn around and and the idea can hit me, and I can lay it down and have have half the song written in half an hour, you know. But, yeah, I'm very structured, and and uh, right now I've got, uh, you know, I've got 40 songs ready for the next album.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, you know, and 20 that I think are really good, and 20 which I think are oh, okay. But, I, you know, I keep wanting to... to it's it's an enjoyment for me it's it's a release for me and it's a creative process that i really enjoy so you have to enjoy it you have to be structured and you have to kind of keep your your you know your your, um your radar up you know you don't know when god's going to give you an idea or there's going to be some line said by someone you're talking to or or a line on television or or someone just walking down the street and see something you just got to be aware of it and catch it in that moment and then work on it
1: so does that mean that you um are you like me and you carry a little notebook to write things oh, that you overhear
2: <laughs> i i am I, you know i'm fanatical about it you know, and I, I can be you know anywhere and and, and kind of go, oh my God, I need to write this or 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 record it you know there is i was walking i do a a, um, a mile walk every day, and I was uh, doing it yesterday and I was halfway into the walk, and it was, and I stopped, and I was like, all of a sudden, these, this rhyming format of words came to me, and I was like, I got to catch this on my phone <laughs> right away because it, it's going to be gone within five seconds. Yeah,
1: yeah. We actually have a segment on our show called "You Heard," where I talk about some things that, like, I overhear. So I, I love just sometimes taking the earphones out and just listening to, you know, the sounds of the city that's around us because I it's, always <laughs> listen to the sounds
2: of the city around us because there was just so much going on. Um, you know, that you miss, I mean, I know that the new society kind of creates us all on cell phones and listen, right. all kinds of listening devices, but the real magic is not using those and, and just looking at the sights and sounds going on around you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, before you, your accident here in the city in 1985, you were behind the drum kit. You know, do you feel that, you know, that helped when you embarked on, you know, the the songwriting process?
2: <laughs> um, you know, I was always writing songs even before. Yeah. But beti- but to be an- on- to be the- give you the honest answer on that, I think the best thing that and the best advice I ever got was give up drums and put put your time into singing and presenting and writing songs. And and uh, there was this producer who was a very well known producer who turned around to me one day and said, "You know, you're not a really good drummer, <laughs> and you do most of the work." and um, you really should think about becoming the front person and I've you know, I've heard a couple of your songs, they're not bad. Why don't you go into that area and work towards that? And I took his advice and um I took up singing lessons and I took up songwriting courses and um so I, I worked up my profession. So to be honest with you, um, it gives me some ideas, and it gave me an idea to be around musicians, mm-hmm. but um, really, it was the motivation from the person who turned around to me and told me, I wasn't a good drummer <laughs> that made me make change in my career direction.
1: And that's the thing about constructive criticism, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I,
2: and you, know, you have to, you know, it's, it's interesting, when somebody tells you something constructive and from, from, the, from the right direction, um, I always feel you've got to be open to it. You may disagree with it, but but at least... Uh, if you listen to what they have to say and don't get angry with it initially, right.
0: um,
2: You may learn something. I, I you know, you, you were saying I have I had a number of albums and uh, that have come out, and I'm, I've gotten some really good reviews, and you know, I've got a couple of Stinkeroo reviews, <laughs> and I always look at the Stinkeroo reviews and go, okay, one is it because the person didn't pay attention to the record, or is it because they really did and didn't like it? And the ones that did the work and didn't like it, I'll often send them, uh, I'll often contact those people and go, you know, you're valid, and I, and I miss this, or I understand your point of view. If they do the work to, to review you correctly, sure. then and whatever their opinion is, um, and, and listen, we all love to get pats on our back, <laughs> but, and, and I'm equally as thrilled to be able to tell somebody thank you very much. But I think there's also a part if somebody tells you something that's valid about something bad that you can, uh, if you can, if you've got the personality where you can go back and say, you know, you're right now. I'll, I'll try and remember that for the next time.
1: Right, right. And, you know, your sound and lyrics are all your own. You know, they're all Edward, but, you know, there's in the same vein of like Ray, of, of Ray Davies, Nick Cave, Lou Reed, you know, and some others just kind of thrown into the mix. Who were your early influences when you were first starting out?
2: Well, you just gave them away. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, Ray Davies has always been a, a major influence in my life, and, and um, you know, so I must must throw that out there. David Bowie has always been an influence. Um, of course, the Lennon McCartney, the the Richards and Jagger combination, mm-hmm. um, Steve Marriott and Ronnie Lane, the Zombies, you know, the Yardbirds, all those early '60s bands—they kind of made a part of it. Um, Mark Bolan made up part of it. Um, you know, Phil Lynette from Thin Lizzy yeah. had a part. Um, you know, Ian Hunter and and, and uh, all of the people that I, whose music I listen to. But I also listen to current music and can be inspired by you know what's going on today by by singers and songwriters. So it's an ongoing process. I mean, I always consider myself to be a fan first. And lucky enough to make music second.
1: <laughs> per- that's, a, that's perfect, yes. And, you know, it's funny because you were influenced by, you know, these, these greats from, like, the Brit invasion. And Elmore, Le- um, Elmore Leonard, Elmore Magazine, called you the perfect singer-songwriter, the ideal personification of Brit rock superiority. How do you describe yourself and your sound?
2: Um, I, I describe myself as somebody that's trying to do better the next time. And... <laughs> um, and um i think I, I write songs and and I think they're at this point I'm beginning to learn that i'm i more of an observation writer mm-hmm. than I am a love song writer or a a theme- you know a theme um i I tend to take situations and, and and embellish them and and um and and kind of see in sights and sounds or people in my past or present that that just jump out at me. Um, i can 't write gimmicky songs they don 't work right, but I can write um for example, we have a uh on on this Wednesday in June, uh, which is written about uh, dylan roof and and you know it just shocked me so much that somebody one about the gun laws in the United States, but two about somebody could walk into a church and and you know sit there calmly for forty five minutes and pick out nine people and right. then murder them and and that is just unbelievable uh, that that it can happen in in these times but the, you know so that strikes something in me to create that I wanted to put that down in, in some emotional way that captured song and didn't gratify the person in any way or no, make them no, yeah. on a pedestal, but really made us look at how crazy it is, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back um, when you mentioned some of the people that you're listening to today, you know, who who are some artists that you're listening to now that you, you really enjoy?
2: Wow, glad you asked that question. Let me walk <laughs> over to my record collection here and have a fast peek. And Paul Weller is an absolute, has always been one of my favorites. Um, I'm listening to the new Godzilla album, Uh, let's see what else is standing out there that that I'm looking at right this second, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) sorry, Um, oh, a big fan of Noel Gallagher, you know,
1: Um,
2: and then there's a number of people who who are unknown people, like uh, Vinnie Bercullio, who who write album after album of, of wonderful material. Um, The Divine Comedy, I'm a big fan of, um, That Gentleman and his band. Um, and, and this week I've been listening to, um, some French, I've been listening to Serge Gonsberg and Jane Birkin. Um, tell me when you want me to start. No,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I love this. I'm writing down as you're saying that. All <laughs> All
2: right. like a... New St. which is kind of electronica <laughs> stuff, but really cool. Um, you know, uh, let me just kind of... Piercing down here, and, and you know, there's just so many records released every day. Oh, right. you know what I do like is, believe it or not, the, the new uh, Lana Del Rey record. I think that's really great. I think she's really underrated. Yeah, I so. do.
1: I agree. I totally agree.
2: So and, there you go. There's a few I could <laughs> pull out of fifty more if you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what um, is your favorite record shop in the city?
2: Um, well, right now it's Rough Trade because uh, I love the people that work there. It's great selection of material. Um, they, the, the people who work there really are passionate about mm-hmm. music and they're very, very knowledgeable and, and they, they go out of their way. And in, um, in the, in, I must tell you though, that, that one of my, my favorite record stores was other music, which closed, uh, probably about a year ago now. Uh, those people were just lovely people and you knew that it was a labor of love. Right. And to me, you know i i still do record shopping i know it's a it's a you know and i go out with friends to do it and it's always a a fun thing to do and uh, i think unfortunately for all the greatness that we've created with computers we've also created this distance so there's a lot of things that people do these days that they used to do with friends that, that you know, um, that they would go and pick out something and say, hey, look at this, and, you know, yeah, right. but look at this, you know. Now, it, everybody's kind of isolated, you know, they go on the computer, they can download one song, or they don't need people's opinions anymore, or they don't have the friendship of going into a store, meeting somebody, chatting to them, who's somebody who could turn around to you and say, if you like this record, you might like this record. right put it on for you and the personal interaction isn't there anymore which is sad actually
1: yeah i i totally agree i think that's yeah it is very sad and it needs to come back especially now more than ever it seems
2: and where do you go shopping or do you go shopping for records
1: um sometimes on bleaker um my my teenager is very into records which is awesome um she also shoots real film photography so we're very proud of her for that as well so (laughs) she's we're living vicariously through her and her adventures so <laughs> i hear there, you totally but there is a place that i um, i interviewed um a couple months back called norton records um oh yes yeah in end, brooklyn uh, yes yeah so you know I, I discovered that with their rockabilly hits and stuff and you know well, that was really that was a really good find <laughs>
2: they are such a labor of love yes uh, it's, it's very sad that billy passed yeah. away but uh, But Miriam and and Billy was such a labor of love to that whole rockabilly scene and and specifically that genre and were great at it. Yes, absolutely. Lovely people.
1: And, you know, you had a record release um, at the end of last month for TV Generation at the Cutting Room. Do you have plans to, you know, take it out on the road beyond that? Well, it's funny that
2: you bring that up. We're leaving on uh, Saturday. We're going to L.A. to do some showcase gigs there. And um, so that's, that's coming up so to answer your question yes now we're going to la before the record came out we went to england and uh, ireland and and did some showcasing there and on august 1st which is the la gig we're playing at the hotel cafe which is a um, supposedly a really really great club and uh, really looking forward to that and uh, it's it's so you know we're doing some showcasing doing some radio stuff and you know, just getting out there and, and working the record. The record, you know, the next year is going to be, you know, promoting these songs and getting them and, and, and touring behind them. And and in uh, and, and the meanwhile, I'm already bugging my producer and, and soulmate in music, Don Piper, to, you know, I've got another album done. He's <laughs> not looking at it. You know, and he's like, oh, let's get this one out there first. Um.
1: Awesome. And finally, since the album is called TV Generation, What's your favorite TV show? <laughs> that's a
2: great question. <laughs> um, you know what? There's so many out there. right this second, I'm going to say the Americans. I love that show. Um, I just think that's totally perfect. Um, I am also a Doctor Who fanatic, so I'm waiting for the new series to to bring up yeah. they're finally going to have a female Doctor Who, so that's really kind of cool, too. Um, I'm also crazy about Suits, I, I just don't know why, you know, <laughs> and there's a new series on Netflix, which I'm just getting into, The Oz- Ozark,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> you
2: know, that which, which is like, you know, Breaking Bad was one of my favorite, um, also, oh, I'm trying to think that, uh, uh, um, the Saul show, the... the
1: um, oh, Better Call Saul, yeah. Better Call Saul,
2: I just love... Jonathan Banks I mean he's just great I love the cast (laughs) I love that I can spend 12 hours of 12 episodes and nothing really much happens but I'm engaged by every second of it yeah yeah
1: yeah that's how we are with Ozarks like we're we're obsessed with it right now and I can I I'm, I'm only I can only allow myself one episode a day because I, it's so dark that I'm like I need a minute to process. it. <laughs> yeah yeah
2: If you did all, all 12 of them I think you'd be in a pretty dark Yeah <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, you know plus you'd be like kind of like uh, you know, in a frenzy of, of like, you know, God, I want anger out of me. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Or I might start laundering money. Who knows? <laughs> um,
2: could be the other thing that you know, you might have happened. Maybe that's our next a call career. call from the FBI coming to your house. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, we don't need that.
2: <laughs> no, 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 neither do I. So one, <laughs> one, one, a, one a day is kind of it's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's enough nourishment.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, it has been fantastic talking to you, Edward. Thank you so much for coming on to the High Regard Show.
2: Well, more importantly, thank you very much for even considering me uh, for your show. And uh, thank you for being so nice and asking me these questions oh, well, and allowing me on your show.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, sir. You have a great weekend and enjoy L.A. I
2: will. I will. I'll think of you while I'm there. <laughs>
1: Please do. <laughs> All right. Thank it's you, okay. sir. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, how good was that interview? Like, how much fun was he?
0: Well, um, I'm going to go back to something that you said earlier when you said he's more New York than you. And I was wondering, are you basing that on time here or the accent?
1: (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) But, yes, I think time here. I mean, you know, I Hmm. think I've got a few. I think I have the attitude of a New Yorker after being here for five years. But I always had that attitude. But, you know, I think I've paid my dues and, you know the shit that we've dealt with over the past five years of living here. Oh,
0: my God, I know it. absolutely
1: <laughs> insane. But I just, well, I loved, I loved this interview with him. Like, it was just not even an interview. Like, I should, I'm just going to call it a conversation, because that's exactly what it was. It was so comfortable.
0: Well, it's only a conversation if towards the end of it, somebody doesn't say, wow, really good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i do Before love I being told i don't it. think i'll ever be like wow really good question
1: you've never told me that i ask good questions you usually just get annoyed with my questions well you, you
0: know it's not so much I'm when impressive. you have a conversation with somebody it's not like wow that's a really good question I like i don't get that fucked up <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like i just feel like it's a conversation we just like roll with it so i guess
1: know. i do ask you really good questions though
0: you do. I mean, I feel like that gets mentioned a lot, the really good questions <laughs> from many people that we have spoken with. But I mean, he was great.
1: He really was, and I really, you know, if if you're in LA and you get a chance to see him, you really, really should. Um, I really hope that he plays, you know, around New York City again, because I'm really sorry that, you know, we kind of, were late to the game with the, with the release of the album, but I mean, it's such a good, TV Generation is just such a good album. I can't, I really have not stopped listening to it, and I love that my favorite song on the album is his favorite song, too, and, you know, I had no idea until I spoke to him that it was actually about David Bowie's death, which you know hit us both really really hard you know i remember both of us just being like so blown away when you told me you know the night that bowie died
0: that was the biggest one i think yeah of like 2016 uh, i mean prince was big too but i i I just feel like growing up bowie was definitely more of an influence in long island rock and roll than Prince was like, I feel like he was around a lot longer.
1: Yeah. I mean, he definitely was, you know, and I mean, Prince was awesome and I'm not going to ever like never not love him, but just Bowie was just, you know, he was there with, you know, all the big dogs of like the seventies and through the eighties and nineties and, and stuff. And it's just, that was really, really hard to take, you know?
0: Yeah. He was a tough one. Um, you know, what else is kind of very strange
1: What is, Tom?
0: While the interview was playing, I was scrolling through some photos on my computer of Edwin. Yes. And um, do you know who he looks like? Who does he look like? Pretty much every one of the 23 members of Yes. (laughs) 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 Right? Does he not look like, if, if you were just to say like, hey, this is, so, if you were like, "Hey, this is, you know, anybody from Yes," and then pointed to his picture, would you notice know a yeah. difference and be like, "Oh no, definitely
1: not." No, I mean, okay. yeah, I, I, I definitely can see it. Like, he has that very British rocker look, and that's what I love about him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a classy thing that just kind of you know stayed with him, which is good. But uh, when I was looking <laughs> at, it, I was like, "This could be a guy from Yes." <laughs>
1: Well, I'm sure you should have
0: asked him. Were you ever in? Yes,
1: (laughs) the answer might have been been
0: yes. (laughs) Where did that come from? You could have just said, "I mean, the look," right? Good Lord.
1: But yes. um, But if you want to learn more about Edward Rogers, you could visit edwardrogersmusic.com. And of course, we'll have all the links in the show info. And, you know, you definitely really need to check out his new album, TV Generation. And, you know, the new album that'll probably come out 10 minutes after this interview ends, because that seems Mm. to be the kind of person that he is. (laughs) Oh, Jesus! and that's awesome you know i love you know how creative he is and how much he writes i absolutely just love that and i look forward to his next album
0: yeah and, and he has more than enough songs to do it yeah
1: exactly <laughs> Lord. so having said that should we uh get into a roly-poly rorty a remote roly-poly rorty tom sure we could well let's roll the theme song then okay So, Tom, you have just spent two weeks in Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic. How is it going?
0: Um... Well, if you like being a human dartboard, this is the place to be.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we do know that you love that. I feel like they can make it that. more fun, seriously. What? Make it a little, I feel like they can make it a little bit more fun. Like, you know how so? <laughs> like, like, seriously, like darts. Like, when you come in, you know you're going to be getting, like, needles for the day and stuff like that. When you come in, they should just, you know, like, kind of like put you against the wall and then they kind of just toss them at you. And Whatever one sticks, that's your first <laughs> one for the day. And then you go from there.
1: Well, you know, from what you've been telling me, it seems like everybody has been really, really awesome to deal with. So I think if you ask them, they'll probably do that if you want. <laughs> I don't know Very why you would seriously want that. But, I mean, if that's what you want, they probably will accommodate it.
0: At this point in time, I don't know what I want. <laughs> they are... They are. They are. It is an unbelievable facility. It blows that I live in the most populated city in the United States, and we can't get health care the way health care runs in Minnesota.
1: I mean, my God, it, it was absolutely fascinating just how thorough and how professional and how, like, you know, these are the greatest doctors in the world. Like, hands down, the greatest doctors in the world converge on this area of Minnesota and the Midwest. You know, and they have, um, they have facilities in Arizona and I think Florida as well. But, like, this is the central hub of the Mayo Clinic. And the fact that, like, they sit down and talked to you like a human being, instead of just like, you know, you go to any of your normal doctors and they they barely give you the time of day. Like, that's what I loved the most about you being there, because the, we knew you were in decent hands the second you had that first appointment. Oh, yeah. And I'll just give you a quick rundown of it. A quick rundown, I'm sure. A quick rundown, believe me.
0: I don't have the energy for a long <laughs> rundown tonight. So, basically... Um, you go in and, you know, there's an hour and a half initial appointment where you just talk to, you know, your main, um, your main caseworker. Right. Um, because of my symptoms, they put me in neurology as opposed to, you know, like, um, anything else. Like heart or something like that. Um, yeah, instead of like heart or blood pressure, they will like, go. Oh, let's check neurology because you're passing out, and you're getting tunnel vision, and that's neurological, we'll check it out. Right. So you sit there and you walk in, you talk to the doctor for an hour and a half while the nurse scans and all your paper. And then once they do that, the doctor will confirm whether or not he thinks you're in the right department and set up tests with doctors that he works with in the neurological department. And then he'll also go and say, just to be sure, I noticed that you haven't had, like, this test or this test from a cardiologist, so why don't we get these tests taken care of in the meantime, so he'll, you know, kind of send you over to other departments. And, I mean, God, it's unbelievable. I mean, the schedule of it is a nightmare. I mean, you know, the first appointment every morning is, like, at 7 o'clock in the morning, and, you know... In order to get ready when you feel like you're gonna fall down, you gotta kind of get up at like six and pace. And give yourself, yourself like yeah. a full hour to get across the street to the building. Right. But once you're there, everything is basically in one building and it's just high. It is amazing like just The cleanliness and friendliness—the thing runs like an absolute machine. It really does.
1: Yeah, like when Tyler and I were there with you um, last week, we went with you the one day because the way that your schedule, your testing schedule, worked out. You know, we we had we went for the test with you, and oh my god, you like I thought NYU Langone was the absolute most serene well-kept beautiful you know f- hospital facility this is like an art form and uh, it, there's literal art exhibits all over the Mayo Clinic and the view like you were up on the 19th floor for one of your tests and it was just you walk out of the elevator and like we looked confused and somebody immediately came over and they're like where do you need to go and it's like what like you're gonna help us without us even asking like what is this world we're living in
0: Yeah, and every worker will stop. Like, if they see you, like, walking, they'll smile, and they'll say hi, like, as you're walking past them. And if you even look a little bit confused, they're like, can I help you get anywhere? Yeah. Just like, hey, I'm looking at the artwork because I have an hour between appointments, it's like, yeah, no problem, where are you from? And then they'll strike up a conversation because I guess they know everybody that goes there is nervous or, right. you know, worried about someone or themselves or whatnot. And so, I mean, they make it so comforting.
1: They really do, and, yeah. Uh,
0: and time-wise, I mean, God, they they ask you to be there 15 minutes early for every appointment. And um, seriously, I, I'm doing anywhere between... Two and four appointments a day, usually three a day is like what they're trying to cram in. And, um, you know, as I walk, I get there 15 minutes before, as I walk up to the desk to get checked in, um, you know, if I have like a 10 o'clock appointment, I am talking to the doctor at 10 o'clock. Not yeah. going in the room and waiting for a 20 minutes for the doctor to be done or waiting a half an hour to even get into a room before waiting another 20 minutes for the doctor to get to I mean, it's unreal. The scheduling is just so perfectly on time.
1: Like, it's, your time matters. Like, that's what that is. It's like, to them, your time matters just as much as their time. And that, you've never seen that with any doctor anywhere else.
0: No, man. I mean, I feel like when you make an appointment, you know, like, back home in the city... You know, it's kind of like a suggested time that Dr. might be ready to see you. You're
1: right. I had an appointment appointment yesterday, and my appointment was at 10 o'clock, and the doctor doesn't get in until 10 o'clock, and there were two other people there ahead of me. So he walked in at exactly 10.01, and it was like, okay, great. So, like, by the time I got into him, it was like 20 after, 25 after 10, and it was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, my God, man.
0: It's nuts. And I will tell you this. There was one appointment. In the last two weeks, where the doctor came in three minutes late. Bastard. Like three minutes before we were sitting <laughs> down. His nurse apologized. The receptionist apologized. The doctor apologized. Oh and my I'm God. like, it is not a big deal. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, you know, three minutes. I'm like, I have waited, you know, <laughs> hours. <last> year, when <laughs> this whole thing started, I've literally waited four hours. To find out that I got the wrong x rays.
1: Oh my God. Like,
0: remember that? It was insane.
1: So, right now, you know, because we are, you know, coming up on time, but as of right now, you know, have they declared what the hell's wrong with you?
0: Um, they will make a declaration, as you call it, <laughs> <laughs> instead of a prognosis. <laughs> um, but they will declare me whatever they plan on declaring me. Probably Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Um, The way it looks right now is my last appointment is being scheduled for um, next Tuesday. Okay. And, um, you know, they were like, don't book the trip back until we talk to you on Tuesday in case anything else comes up. But as of right now, that's what we're shooting for. And, um, you know, they have a couple of different ideas. I'd rather not go into them just yet because I want to jump the gun. But, I mean... You know, we'll see, what, we'll see what happens. We'll see I mean, what happens. I, 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 I swear, I feel like every time somebody gives me, like, you know, a prognosis, within, like, a week I see another doctor and they give me a totally different prognosis. Here they've been pretty consistent with what they think it might be. Right. But until all the tests comes back in, we're not going to, you know, jump the gun. We're not going
1: to speculate.
0: Yeah, and, and they're not going to tell me either until the tests come in. I mean, because they're doing more than enough tests that when I leave here, I will know
1: Right. what it is. Okay. So. Yes. What do you miss most about not being in New York?
0: You want to know a weird thing, man? Damn. And I haven't even man. tried it yet. Minnesota has... It's like a, going back almost in a time warp. Anything that was in New York like 10 years ago still exists in Minnesota. Like what? Like Arby's. Like <laughs> you know, KFC on every corner. Like like just weird things like Olive Garden is popular there. Denny's is popular there. Um, you know, and then they have like the place like that is in the hotel right next to me is, you know, like the Canadian Honker. Oh my God, the is, Honker that place is so good and i'm like why would anybody go to the olive garden when you have when you have the broth?
1: honker it's so oh my god good. the like honker was like food. my favorite place to say and it was but it was my <laughs> favorite place it was one of my favorite places to eat i mean 300 first was amazing with their beef wellington i have to say
0: they were for yeah. the for the three bites that I have, and before Tyler finished it, before <laughs> getting on the plane and heading home, which was great because you know whatever. But I feel like back home, I, I miss weird stuff. Like I'm I miss pizza,
1: you know. Yeah. And it's kind of like
0: I didn't have that much pizza, but for whatever reason,
1: New York has the best. Pizza. New York has the best.
0: Yeah, and I, I refuse to get it while I'm here because I'm just like I don't. want You'll to be fight
1: disappointed. Now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, but the weekend is upon us so who knows
1: I know who so, knows maybe I'll live maybe it up I will. maybe you and your hotel room will live it up
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: well that kind of wraps up our roly poly rarity remote
0: look at you keeping control of the uh, the time I All- am the
1: keeper of the time and I'm very nervous about it I'm very nervous about the production aspect of everything <laughs>
0: I'm sure you'll do fine. I like the instructions are there. I'm I sure know. you'll be just fine.
1: I know, I know. Baby's gotta mm-hmm. take her first step sometime.
0: That's it, man. We all gotta like,
1: you know, we
0: all gotta like learn a little more every day, right?
1: <laughs> I guess so. So yeah. let's close out the roly poly rarity section, shall we?
0: Let's do it. Ah, um <laughs> <laughs> well, this was quite the experiment. Tonight. It was
1: quite the experiment. Now, maybe we could like go on, like you know, you could go to your winter vacation, and I could do my summer vacation, and you know, we could just call into each other and do our show.
0: I told you about my aunt and uncle that would do that. Like they were like every year, they would go on separate vacations. He, she would go wherever, usually to a beach, mm-hmm. Bahamas or Mexico right. or something like that. He would always go to Ireland and sleep, like, in mud huts.
1: Oh, my God. And I she was
0: like, it. I have no interest in sleeping in the mud. <laughs> you know, with, with Celtic tribes, like, that was
1: his thing. Oh, my God, that's and, awesome. I'll do that with you, for sure.
0: Yeah, but we were all convinced that he had another whole family that nobody knew about, so.
1: I do remember that story, that Rorty family <laughs> <laughs> rumor, the Rorty rumor.
0: <laughs> People would think he's, like, rolling around in mud. Meanwhile, he's just, like, you know, in Dublin it you know, some chick's house.
1: And <laughs> his kid's soccer game. Football game, I yeah. should say. Football game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Well, you... why don't you do your part of the end segment?
0: Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Um, well, <clears throat> from a long distance away, if you would like to learn more about The High Regard Show, check out The High Regard Show at highregardshow.com. And if you feel like it, emailing us, and I suggest that if you feel like it, oh my God. To read, email <laughs> us at show at gmail.com.
1: And as always, you could find us on every social media outlet as High Regard Show.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry I'm talking so much. Number one, it's a podcast, and number two, I'm in the hotel room just sitting here alone until, you know, I see my parents again tomorrow.
1: Well, <laughs> now you made me feel bad. Which uh, was well, probably I, your intention.
0: That's okay. Like, why don't you just go to bed and think it out now?
1: All right, I will.
0: <sighs> Good, <laughs> fine. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, sweetheart.
0: <laughs> see you all next week. Hopefully, we'll be back on track with a normal schedule. Maybe
1: we'll see. Maybe I'll have to fly back out and get some cheese curds and beef Wellington before uh, and then fly home with you. <laughs>
0: Your experience is so much different than mine. It is. I'm glad you
1: enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) It was. was, I was glad that I was there with you the first week, you know, and then we saw a handle on it, so that's good. That's, yes. All right, well, that ends this week's episode. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. I'm going to hang up on you so I can get the last word. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Be kind in the comments with me.